How far would you travel for good tortillas? What if there were no good tortillas close to you? My answer is about an hour. Because my wife and I used to live in Japan in this small little village. And every weekend, we would make the pilgrimage to Koryama, Japan. It would take about an hour on a train, but that was the closest place that had an international food store with tortillas. And I don't wish an absence of tacos on anybody, but it, it's really important for, for our discussion today. Uh, one weekend, we got to this big city, and, um, and if you don't know, I'm famous in my own family for just no sense of direction. Uh, at all. I could get lost in a paper bag, as they say. And on this one weekend, for some reason, uh, against my better judgment, Marie and I agreed to split up. I was going to go to the foreign food store. Uh, Marie had other shopping to do. So we were going to meet back at the train station. So then we split up. I went and I, I filled my backpack up with refried beans and taco seasonings and, of course, tortillas. It weighed about 65 pounds. We're serious about tacos. And, uh, and on my way back, I got turned around and I'm in this new city. I can't read the signs and I have no clue where the train station was. I was completely and utterly lost. I didn't know. And all I could think of is, well, I guess I can survive. I could probably find a can opener somewhere and survive on refried beans. They'll probably taste bad cold, but I can put some taco seasonings on them and I guess I'll just be lost here for the rest of my life. And then I, about 10 minutes later of just aimless wandering, and this is before cell phones. I had no cell phone. I couldn't just call Marie and say, rescue me. I was lost. But then I saw somebody walking and they had a train ticket in their hand. And I followed them. I didn't know what the way home was, but I thought that guy was probably going to the right place. And luckily for me, he was walking toward the train station and not away from it. So I didn't get even more lost. But one of my favorite stories is the prodigal son. This is about a guy who wasn't lost logistically like I was, but he was just lost in life. And this story has been called the greatest story in the world for a good reason. Because it reminds us that there's always a way home and you can never be too lost to be, to be beyond where God can't find you. So this may be a refresher for some of you, but and if you know this, I wanna encourage you to lean in and stick with me because I always find something new in this parable. It's beautiful. And it occurs in Luke chapter 15. And we'll start out in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, before we go any further, we have to talk about how families worked back then. Patriarchal society, uh, the oldest gets the inheritance, most of the inheritance, the rest of the kids get kind of what's left over. But, and there's still cultures today that find this part of the story shocking because asking your father for his inheritance was the equivalent to saying, I don't care about you, I wish you were dead, just give me what's, what's due to me. I mean, it was the height of disrespect. And I, I love that this parable, Jesus is telling this parable to show people and to give people an example of what God is like. And notice here that the father, we don't have any, Jesus didn't add a part of the story of the father begging 
the kid to stay the, the um, of like, oh no, the, the, Jesus didn't put anything in the story of the father saying, no, it's, it's my stuff and you've got to stay. I'm not giving it to you until it's the right time. The father didn't force the son to stay. And this, this makes me think about my perception of God. And I grew up American church, evangelical type, Wesleyan church. And I don't think anyone did this to me on purpose, but I grew up with the conception of God. As soon as I strayed off the path, had one impure thought, said a naughty word, like in that one moment, I was looking out for lightning bolts. I was just, I just knew that God was going to smite me off the earth. But since Jesus was telling the story, to show what God was like and give um, some real legalistic people an idea of God's heart and then some people that were, that were curious and, and, and taken advantage of by the religious system. Jesus is saying, this is what God's like. And it makes me wonder if God's judgment is just letting us wander because that winds up in a more painful place than anything else. Like that's the judgment in and of itself. That's the punishment is not being connected to the creator of all of this, the source of joy, the source of peace, the source of contentment. It's miserable. So if you've grown up waiting for lightning bolts or scared of that, or if you've ever told a pastor, I can't go in the church, that place will blow up if I do. Like, no, God's judgment isn't filled with lightning bolts. It's not all warm and fuzzy either. Wandering away from the source of life is not, is not a picnic, but God, the father in the story, lets his son wander. It had to be so painful. So it continues. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That's, that's the, when, we, when we wander away from the Father and the Father's heart, this is a picture of what the end of that journey looks like. Squander our... our our wealth, our inheritance on wild living. The word, I looked up prodigal, and it means extravagant. Now, a person who is a prodigal is someone who spends the resources extravagantly. And in the case of the, the younger brother in the story, he squandered his resources. And it's a dark part in the story to think he had, he had his inheritance from his father. And now... He's looking at the pig slop going, doesn't look so bad, I'm so hungry. At least it would keep me alive. And then one of the greatest, greatest statements ever that gives me so much hope for myself and so much hope for humanity comes in Luke 15 verse 17. Talking about the younger brother, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
the commentator uh, uh, William Barclay says, Jesus paid sinning mankind the greatest compliment that has ever been paid. When he came to himself, he said, Jesus believed that so long as man was away from God, he was not truly himself. He was only himself when he was on the way home. I love that we can come to our senses. Has anyone ever told you, you have lost your mind? <laughs> okay, I've heard that quite a bit in my life. You're not yourself when you wander away. Here we have this, I mean, in scripture, from the example of Jesus, we have this, this beautiful picture of, of what the right way to live is and what it means to live in our Father's house. Like, but we wander away. And thank God for those moments where we come to our senses. I'm, I'm glad that we're capable of that. But in the son's statement, he's realized he's blown it. And in his, maybe, maybe you have some of these, some of these things uh, in your own thinking where you say, okay, I've blown it. So I'll never be a first class family member in my family, but maybe I can be a servant. That thinking is still around today when we come to our senses. But that's not the end of the story. I, but what if it ended there? I mean, the story could have ended so much differently. If I was writing it, the story would go on and say, okay, yeah, you forgot who you were. You actually denied who you were. Took your inheritance and did your own thing. Now you're getting what you deserve. Okay, we will show you a little bit of grace. Okay, yes, you can be a hired servant. At least you're not working for someone else. And uh, from a Jewish perspective, you're not working with pigs. So you can come and, and you can do the laundry. You can be the laundry guy. But no, no. He came to his senses and at least he came home. And luckily, he fell into the arms of people who knew him. I'm so grateful for the people who knew me and who know me now. And they can tell when something's off. When I lost a sense of who I was, especially in my teenage years, my mama always knew, mom, if you're watching, thank you. It's like, something's going on with you. Maybe I was feeling guilty about something that I'd done, or maybe I was feeling scared for something she hadn't found out yet, which was most often the case. My grandpa, my grandma, they would know. I remember one time they said to me, what's, what's going on with you? You're walking around our living room like a caged tiger. Spit it out. Come on. And in those moments, those were the catalysts I need to come to my senses, to come clean, to let someone into my story and say, I've wandered off. I'm not, I'm not going the direction I should be. And luckily, every single time, my family reacted to me like the father in the story reacts. Uh, the son says, I'll go out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, which is great. That's a confession. That's absolutely true. He goes on to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So Jesus describes in the story our earning mentality so well. I've had this thought before and I've heard other people say it. Like, oh, I'm not living right, but I need to, I need to clean up a few things and then I'll come back to church. You know, I just need to uh, uh, straighten out my affairs and then I'll come home. But no, 
No, we don't need to earn something. No, I need to be a servant because I can't be a son anymore. No, Jesus told, again, Jesus told this parable to explain to people what God is like. But then it goes like this. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is not how I would finish the story. This is not what's supposed to happen. The father was looking. The father didn't say, well, he's made his bed, now he can lay in it. He was at the door looking. And culturally, like dads didn't do this back then. A lot of families don't do this. A lot of people don't treat others like this. That when the prodigal comes back, when the person who was in the wrong comes back, a lot of times they meet I told you so's and closed arms. But this is what God is like. The theologian N.T. Wright says that this story could actually be called the father who runs. Because in that culture, older elders, they didn't run because it was undignified. Looking for sons or daughters to return? No way. They wouldn't do that. This is a massive uh, storytelling technique where the, the listeners are like, what? He ran? He threw his arms around his son and kissed him? So if, if you're someone who has one of those, those recordings that play over and over in your mind of, I, I'm no good, I'm dirty, I'm broken, I'm, I'm so shameful, that's not what God says about you. Your heavenly father is waiting to greet you with a hug and a kiss while he was a long way off, even before you make it through the door. You may not have experienced this in your life. Maybe you've never been around church or maybe you had a bad experience in church. But don't miss the fact, I'll say it again, Jesus is explaining what God is like. This is God's heart towards people who come to their senses and say, oh, I've blown it. I'll go back, I'll go back to my father's house and I'll, I'll take my lumps. Time to pay the piper. But God doesn't make, God's already paid. <laughs> Jesus already rescued us. And God is waiting with open arms for you the second that you turn your heart back towards home. And then there's this conversation between the father and the younger, uh, younger son. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, keep in mind that this story was these are Jewish background believers. And they're shades of Israel's story, the, the wicked son that goes away. Israel had gone into captivity. Uh, they returned home to a great feast. This was good news for some listeners to know that, that when they've wandered off, that there's still a heavenly father that's looking for them and is not waiting with a closed fist, but open arms and open hands. But Jesus also had the religious leaders in the crowd. He had them in mind. 
And that's when we get to the punchline of the story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he is back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This is where we see the father pleading. (laughs) But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This chunk of the story, there's so much in here. But it makes me think of this. You can be lost even when you're home. The older son, he didn't trust his father's love. Oh, it breaks my heart to think about that. You know, part of the beauty of what we're celebrating here in the the Christmas story. He, He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Do you hear the father's heart in this in this parable saying, son? Daughter, I've always been with you, and everything I have is yours. Everything I've had. I've always been right under your nose, but the older son was working, following the rules, patting himself on the back probably. And it was scandalous. And it does stink when you're the one who's doing everything right, and then someone who's broken the rules, they get a reward. But that's the scandal of the gospel, that we get what we don't deserve, and we don't get what we deserve. It's it's the beautiful nature of the good news of Jesus Christ. I think the, the strict meaning of the word prodigal, a person who spends money in a recklessly extravagant way, it could also be used to describe God. It's reckless. But God cares about the broken and the lost and the wounded so much. He says, bring the ring, bring the sandals, bring the robe. Oh, when my lost sons and daughters come back home, we celebrate. So in this story that's familiar to so many of us, I want to invite you to find yourself in the story. Do you feel lost today? Do you feel like you're wondering what this is all about, wondering uh, where your life is headed? Or maybe on the other side, maybe from the older brother's perspective, do you feel left out? Do you feel like you identify with the older brother? You're like, when does my turn come? It's happened, promotions happen for everybody else. Other people have good things. Looking at social media, it seems like everyone else is on vacation. Maybe you find yourself in the older brother's story. Or maybe maybe you feel lost and broken and directionless and you did try to come home and, and make things right with somebody or make things right with your family or go back to church. And maybe you met the older brother first. Today, think about God. Maybe come home and, and realize that God is actually there, not 
not wanting to keep you out and keep you a servant, but God saying, I can't, I've been looking for you, son or daughter. Forget all that, that, that second place stuff. Like, you're my kid. I love you. I'm ready to celebrate. Or maybe you identify with the father in the story and you've lost someone or something. They've wandered off or maybe they, they didn't wander. Maybe they ran off and you're looking and you're, you, the heart inside of you is aching and you're looking. Are they going to come back? Are things, uh, will I get some resolution and some closure to this? Well, if that's you, you're in really good company. God knows exactly how you feel. And the answer right now for all of us is to turn to Jesus. Jesus is the way home for those people that have gone. Jesus is the way home for those of us that are headed in the wrong direction. It's the good news of Christmas. Good news of Jesus is that he came to show us the way back and that we have a loving heavenly father that's waiting for us. So hopefully you're enjoying your Christmas week. And uh, as we wrap up our time today, we just wanted to end things a little bit differently around here and just have a special song for you and uh, convey our wishes that we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and that, that you are experiencing God's blessings in your life. So God bless you. We'll see you soon.